Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator this morning. And today is Sunday, November 24, 2013. The share ID number for Friday, November 22nd, is 5510. This morning's presentation is entitled Addiction and Grace. Addictions block the sunlight of the spirit. The 12-step program of recovery grants us a grace-filled journey of a personal transformation and a spiritual awakening. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Joining us this morning to speak on addiction and grace is Rose Marie, a compulsive overeater, recovered as a result of our 12-step program. Rosemarie resides in Crestwood, Illinois, and spends her time intensively working with other compulsive overeaters and carrying the message that, indeed, there is a solution. Welcome to A Vision for You, Rosemarie. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much for asking me to be with you today. Thank you, Rosemarie. You sound great. Go right ahead. Okay, thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Rosemarie, and I'm a food addict, a.k.a. compulsive overeater. Um, I'm just so delighted and privileged and honored to be here this morning with you. And um, I just, I just want to say right off before I give you my stats that uh, the title is, as uh, Leah said, Addiction and Grace, and uh, I'm, I'm here, I'm here, I got here at a very late age in life. I was almost 57 years old, and I've heard people say, well, I wish I would have gotten here earlier. I would have saved myself all those years of misery and pain, and what I've learned, my dear people, and I can call you my dear people, Uh, What I've learned is I didn't get here one minute too late or one minute too early. I believe if I'd have come to Overeaters Anonymous before September 19th of 1985, I would not have stayed. I almost didn't stay then. Uh, I wasn't ready to hear. I believe when uh, when I, I am an addict, I'm not ready to hear until I'm ready to hear. I'm not ready to see until I'm ready to see. And no human power, no human power could have relieved my compulsion. But God could and would if he were sought, and God is my higher power. I think I'll start out to tell you that um, I am a food addict. I come as... um, Leah has told you, I live in the little village of Crest, called Crestwood, Illinois, and lots of trees, you know, wood, Crest Woods. And um, my inner group is Chicago Suburban Southwest, and my home group is Burbank, Illinois, not to be confused with California, because <laughs> I couldn't, it would be difficult to go to the meetings in California a couple of times a week. Um, 
Roseanne, our founder, says we should always give our stats before we speak. These are my stats. Um, first meeting ever of Overeaters Anonymous, September 19, 1985. Um, I've been maintaining about a 60-pound weight loss for um, 27 years, maybe almost yeah, 28, almost 28 years, and I've been in maintenance for about 27 years. Now, that may sound like nothing to you to be in maintenance for 27 years, but you see, before program, I couldn't be in maintenance for, for 27 minutes. My weight was either skyrocketing or it was dropping because I was on one of my famous, very successful diets. I didn't know at that time that diets don't have any power over addiction. They just don't work. Um, I'm speaking just for me, Rosemary. I do not speak for OA as a whole or anybody or anything else. I'm here as a compulsive overeater. I'm not special. I'm just like you. We all are special, but I'm not special from you. God is special, but I am not. I'm just in recovery a day at a time. And I can start out right now by telling you my recovery is strictly and only by the grace of God and the love and support of the OA Fellowship. No other reason. And the solution I found is in the steps and the recipe books that I follow are the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. I use these books. I work with my sponsees with these books because it's where I find the truth, where I find undiluted messages, where I find the message of recovery a day at a time. I'm going to give you a lot of information this morning give you hopefully some experience, strength, and hope. But I heard not too long ago that information is not transformation. I had to be transformed in order to stay in recovery from my disease. And while I think of it, I may as well tell you what I also learned. One of the chief barriers to my recovery is my ignorance of my disease. When I came in, I kept telling everybody, you just don't understand. I just like cake a lot. I don't have any disease, any sickness, any problem. My only problem is I just like a lot of sweets. Oh, I'm a sweetaholic and a junk food junkie. I should tell you that right off. And, and you know, by the way, I hope you're prepared for a few smiles. I hope so. Maybe even a laugh out loud. Because if I don't have a sense of humor... As an addict, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to make it in this life, in this program. I have to keep my sense of humor. I take my illness very seriously, but I take myself pretty lightly. I was told a long time ago, Rosemary, just get over yourself. (laughs) And everywhere I read, Big Book tells me the same thing because my ego is at the core of my addiction. And my unsuppressed ego is just as lethal to my recovery as excess food. That was a revelation to me. 
and the ego, my ego, gets in the way of, of everything, but it gets in the way of my taking the first step. And if I don't take that first step, I don't go anywhere. Uh, I've heard people say uh, they're doing a fourth step, an eighth step, a ninth step, and they haven't stopped eating yet. Well, they, they have a little break from their abstinence, but they keep working those steps. Uh, that's not that's not my experience, and that's not what the AA 12 and 12 says or the big book. If we had to clean house, we had to defog the brain, the mind, so that the grace can flow in. Actually, it's clean house sufficiently to let that grace flow in and expel the compulsion. My compulsion has been expelled for 28 years, two months, and four days. I am one of the blessed who became abstinent the day I walked into my first meeting. Did that mean I was working the program from the day I walked in? No. And uh, it was not dieting. I was basically on my last, hopefully, my last diet ever because I was very good at diets. Um, I've been on this one for 28 years, two months and four days, and uh, I don't believe it's one of my diets because those had an end. And those, when I was dieting, I was practically biting my nails further down than that, too. Um, I have, someone said, when you diet, it's like you have your head in a bucket of water. and But when you're abstaining, your head comes out of the water and you can breathe. And that's how I feel today. And I'm going to try to tell you a little bit of how I got here to this place. Um, so I didn't come too late in life. I came at the time that I was ready to listen. And if you're if you're doing some experimental work out there, trying different things to see if they work this time when they haven't worked for the last thousand times, many thousand times, well, then you're just like me before September of 85. I, and I can assure you, you can stop and be abstinent right now because I've already done all your research for you. And I've already done all the road work and all the experimentation. I have, I was eating compulsively, I know for sure, before some of you were born. I had it down to a science. I was expert in one thing, compulsive eating. But I didn't know I had a disease. And I learned in program that I have an equal opportunity disease. Doesn't care who I am how smart I am or not smart. Mm-mm. And you know what else? I found out that recovery means a great deal more than just not overeating. But that is the beginning, and that's a serious, important beginning. And what brought me to recovery was I had to reach enough pain to the limit of my endurance. It's when I couldn't stand it anymore. The reason I ate was because I couldn't take life on life's terms on a daily basis. It was too hard without a buffer, without something to ease it off. I couldn't take life. And food allowed me to live life, temporarily live life, and then it ended up almost killing me. I do carry some of the wreckage of the past, 
um, I'm a hypoglycemic, and I might mention that later in my talk. And um, that's just one thing. A doctor told me straight out, he said, it's all that junk you ate. That's why you have this blood sugar problem. And for the last 28 years, my doctor is smiling and dancing when she gets my blood work results and all my test results because everything is in a normal, healthy range. I found out I have a thinking problem. I don't have a food problem. Mm-mm. I have a thinking problem, and I have a mental obsession, of course, and a physical allergy. And in order to recover, I had to have that psychic change that Dr. Silkworth talked about with Bill Wilson. I had to have a psychic change, not just in my head. And I had to learn at the core of my being that I could never, ever eat like a normal person and that I need to rely on a higher power to not think that I could ever go back to eating like a normal person eats. They told me when I was new that if I'm addicted to food, I'm probably addicted to other things, and I just thought they were all... Well, see, I'm a slow-learning know-it-all. I forgot to tell you that. And anything they said to me was like, no, no, you don't understand... you. Well, it was me that didn't understand. I'm still learning how to understand. I did learn that OA is not for everyone. Many people choose to live their lives defying authority, defying God or the higher power, and blaming others. And they use and abuse food and people. And above all, They deny that they have any problem with food, among other things. They have no problem. They live and they die. And I would have been one of those people had it not been for September 19, 1985. I want to read um, something to you from the pamphlet tools of, I'm sorry, Dignity of Choice. And it's just the little one paragraph of the question, because I hear people questioning, you know, what the food plan and the abstinence, what's the difference, how can I tell, all that. I'll just read this first, and then I can just give you my experience. And that's all I share here is my experience. That's all I've got is my experience. It says in Dignity of Choice, In Overeaters Anonymous, abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy weight. A plan of eating is one of the ways in which an individual OA member chooses to be abstinent. That includes refraining from particular foods, and or specific compulsive eating behaviors. And I added one word to that for me. And that word is V like victory, V-O-L-U-M-E, volume. And I added that because I've been told by so many people that they don't eat between meals, they don't eat their trigger foods, and they are abstinent. And yet after years of abstinence, they are extremely overweight 
and I'm not talking about a medical problem. There is rarely, there is one here and there. I'm talking about the norm, if there is a norm, uh, volume at the meal. It's a misconcept that if I overeat at a meal, it's okay because I'm not eating between. That's not what our co-founder, Roseanne, said uh, when I had the privilege of being a World Service um, World Service um, delegate uh, some years back. She spoke at the close of one of our business meetings, and she told us all that if I'm overeating at my meals, or any other time, of course, but at my meals, I am eating compulsively. And she recommended that if someone tells me that, I need to lovingly ask them, them and ask them if I can be of any help to them. And I have done that very lovingly, and I've been received well, because we're all here to help each other. We're not here to criticize and judge, because we're we're sisters and brothers under the skin. So nobody's you know equal in the eyes of God. Absolutely. Um. The, so the plan of eating. I've heard people say, "What's your abstinence?" And when they mean, "What's your plan of eating?" My abstinence is the same as yours, not to eat compulsively, not to overeat, not to, and to eat to maintain my healthy weight. There was a time before program that I would not have told you my weight. If you held a gun to my head, I probably would not have told you my weight. Not even my husband, the love of my life, my husband of happy memory. He didn't know what I weighed. Nobody knew what. Of course, they could see the fat on me, but I could not talk about what I weighed. I can tell you on this worldwide phone hookup that the last weight I remember weighing before I went on my last diet and then found Overeaters Anonymous, and that was the end of dieting and the beginning of life on life's terms, my last weight was a breath, a hair's breadth, from 200 pounds. And when I saw that number, I kept seeing that my numbers go up, you know, to the numbers you think you're never going to see in your lifetime. Well, I passed all of them. And I am not a tall, you know, I used to say big boned, uh, my family history, um, I have to be overweight, my family, it's my heredity, everybody's overweight. No, no, no. I'm an addict. I'm a food addict. Can I be, oh, yeah, and when they said, you know, you can be addicted to anything, I said, no, 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 I just like cake, I just like sweets, I just like junk food, no, 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 no. I have learned in the last 28 years. One thing, some years ago, I learned I'm a compulsive gambler. Now, I never liked alcohol, but I'll guarantee you in five minutes I can become an alcoholic. Oh, yes, because I have an addict. I can be addicted to anything or anybody, okay, because I need, I was never enough, God was never enough. I needed something to buffer life, and it could be whatever it would be. And none of it worked, because happiness is definitely an inside job. I was looking for love in all the wrong places, the refrigerator, the kitchen cabinet, the restaurants didn't happen. 
doesn't exist in any of those places. What I found was the God within me, the God of my understanding, your higher power, your understanding of your God, that God resides in me, and I believe in each one of us. But I didn't know how to tap into that power source. I kept saying, step one, I have no power. But I did nothing. I did nothing about it because I didn't know that there was a source because I believed in my heart before I came to program that not even God could stop me from eating. And I was a God believer, and I still am, but I did not believe even God could stop this hardcore food addict. Mm. So, <laughs> this gift of abstinence, and I'm uh, the grace, the grace, it's all a gift. It's all, it's all from my higher power. It's all from God. You know, whenever I give a talk at a meeting that's live face-to-face, and I say how long and then people start applauding, and I applaud with them because I'm not applauding me. I'm applauding God. Hey, if I could have did, if I could, I would have, but I didn't. I couldn't, so I didn't. <laughs> what I have, and and I think one of the reasons um, maybe I was invited to speak today is because I am a long time absent person, and and people. I think people want to hear that it's possible to maintain a long time absence, like a day at a time, a lifetime, a day at a time. I don't know what today brings for today. I didn't count today when I told you my time of absence. See, I don't celebrate my disease. I celebrate my recovery. So I haven't finished off. This would be day five if I were done, but I'm not done with day five. So as of now, I just have 28 years, two months, and four days. Today isn't over. And I still have an ego that sometimes wants to emerge its ugly head. And only the grace of God can stop that. What is that grace? Grace is an unmerited gift from God. I didn't do a thing to earn this gift. I've got it. I've had it all along. I didn't know it. I didn't know how to tap in. All grace. For me, and I will tell you because people have asked, and I will tell you what I do each day to keep my spiritual life enlarged because it's clearly it's clearly written in the book. He got drunk because he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. I have to enlarge my spiritual life. I didn't get for a long time that I needed to enlarge it. I thought if I had a spiritual life, that's enough. I got a spiritual life. No, no, it said he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. So I'll tell you in a couple minutes here what I do every day to enlarge my spiritual life. But of all the things I do, And I want to make this really clear. The most spiritual thing I do every day is abstain from compulsive eating. To me, abstinence is a most holy and sacred thing because 
My abstinence is of God. It's not of me. It's God's will, not my will. If I didn't have this help, this power, this grace, I would not, it wouldn't be, (laughs) broccoli would not be at the top of my list. (laughs) Uh, I remember uh, there was a sweet shop in my neighborhood, and after I got into program a while, one of my kids said, hey, Mom, you know the candy store? Since you've been in program, it closed down and went out of business. Actually, it actually moved across the street from where it was. But it could have been because I supported the sweet shops and the junk shops and all of that. And I don't need to explain all that to you. If you're listening to this message, if you're on the line, you know what I'm talking about. And that's 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 why when one compulsive eater talks to another compulsive eater like I'm doing right now with you, magic happens. I hope some magic will happen today. Okay. When I was a little girl, I never wrote a letter to God saying, Dear God, when I grow up, would you please let me be a compulsive eater so that I can tiptoe through the tulips into an OA meeting and become a member? And read the big book, and no, I never wrote that letter, and yet here I am, compulsive eater. And now I'm going to tell you a shocker for some people, not everybody, some of you. I'm grateful to God that I'm a compulsive eater. I'm so grateful because I would never have the relationship with God that I have today, the relationship with friends, program friends family, outside program, never have, never would have happened if I weren't a compulsive either. So while I thought they were crazy when they said they were grateful, today I'm one of the craziest, I guess, because I am grateful. I'm grateful to be a food addict. I'm grateful because I'd have never known God as I do today. I would never know his unconditional all-encompassing, kind and merciful love that he has for me. I had to learn that the God of my understanding accepted me unconditionally. And I've learned this, my dear people out there, I've learned this. Until I can love, understand, and accept myself, I can't have a healthy relationship with anybody, with food, and not even with God. And what happens working the steps, I learn how to love and understand myself and accept myself. Acceptance is absolutely the answer to all my problems today. Failure to accept myself as I am a food addict, a compulsive eater. That is me. And I accept that. I'm not ashamed of it at all. It's a part of, it's an illness that I happen to have. I have a hypoglycemia. And, you know, it's part of one of my illnesses. That's all it is. What abstinence does for me, it allows me clarity to detach from unhealthy 
relationships, especially my relationship with food. And the solution is in the steps. I can't stress that enough. The solution is in the steps. You know, I never heard anyone at a meeting say, or in any of the books, it never said, we need to read the steps, study the steps, um, talk about the steps, analyze the steps. Mm -mm. It says we need to work the steps. And when we work them, all the promises, the beautiful promises come true. But it's clear we need to work for them. They will materialize. We'll work If we work for them, this 12-step program is not for wimps. Mm-mm. In all these years, I've seen people come and I've seen people leave. Some come back. Some never come back. And I'll, my proof that my illness is an illness that no human power could have relieved. Only God could and would if he were sought. It takes a higher power. And my, I'm witnessing right here. I have sponsored many, many, many people. I've mentored many people in this program. I would say most of them have left the program. Do I take responsibility for that? Remember the people who aren't ready, can't hear, can't see, even sitting in the rooms, they're dying because they can't hear, won't hear, can't see? I don't take any blame. And then when I see the beautiful people who recover that I've sponsored, that I've just talked to, do I take the credit for that? No. no there's no There's no credit here. Mm-mm. This credit, this thanksgiving, this gratitude, that goes to higher power. It goes, for me, I'm here to bear witness. God has done for me. I couldn't do it for myself. He's done it. He's done it. I learned about God's magnificent love and caring, you know. Turned my life over to the care of God. I learned about that through the 12 steps as outlined in the big book in the 12 and 12 of AA. I've learned about God through my sponsor, through my sponsees. Someone told me early on, if I stay connected to people, I will stay connected to God. That's just how it's going to work. There's something I pray for every day, and I believe I'll need to pray for it till they plant the flowers over my head, and that's humility. Because, you see, since my problem is my ego, humility has to be the solution. And where do I find humility? In any better place, in the amount of humility, which is infinite, but in my loving God, my higher power. So in order to gain, and it's so funny because the steps, I need humility to work them, and then I get humility when I work them, but I need humility to even work them. I equate humility with willingness. That's 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 me. That's just me. Um, you know, <laughs> this grace that we talk about, you know, the addiction and the grace, I realized some years ago, that 
I had grace before program. God gives grace to all of us. It's a free gift. He just gives it out of love. That's why I'm awed by God. I'm awed. I'm in awe. And that's why I love to get on this phone and bear witness to my higher power, what he's done for me, and I've seen him do for hundreds of people. But all this grace, I had it before program. I didn't know how to tap into it. I didn't know how to respond to this great love of God. Okay? And I heard the best story that relates to this, and I want to share it with you. I just love this story. I hope you love it. If you don't, it's okay. You, but you will not get a refund on your on your money or your miseries. <laughs> you know what they say, you know, you come to six meetings. If you don't like us, we'll cheerfully refund your misery. Um, did I tell you I almost left after the first meeting because I didn't think it was for me and a power greater than me brought me back. I did not intend to ever come back. So to me, I believe in the power, the power of my higher power, the grace. This is the story, okay? It's about a palace, beautiful palace, and they were having, I heard they were having a big party there, and I really wanted to go, but I wasn't invited, and I really wanted to go. And I met a friend, and she said, oh, did you want to go to that party? I said, yeah. She said, I'll get you an invitation. I know somebody. I said, great. So she gets me the invitation, and I get all the bling out, and I get all the the, the, the velvet, and I'm all dressed up, and I go to the palace, and I'm so happy and excited. And I get there, and there's a gentleman standing at the door with a clipboard with a list of names. He's checking them off. And I say to him, I tell him my name. And he looks at his list and he said, oh, you can't come in here. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you can't come in. I said, but I've been invited. Here's my invitation. He said, this clipboard has the names of all the people who responded to the invitation. You can't come in. I hadn't responded. That was me before program. I didn't even know how to respond because the my addiction, the food, my substance got in my way. It blocked. Mental block, emotional block, physical block. Yeah. I love the story. Never got in the party because I didn't respond to the invitation. And I get that invitation from God Every single day. How do I respond to it? I'll tell you. That's why I'm here this morning. That's why they pay me the big bucks. In response to this great love of God's, here's what happened. Now, I want to be abstinent. I'm willing to be abstinent. I desire abstinence. I want to do God's will. I'm willing to do God's will. And the first thing that I see that's God's will for me is the way I don't abuse my substance, which happens to be food. could be anything, but it is food. I want to do his will. 
And each day that I abstain, I'm doing his will, and I gain that grace, and that grace sustains me through the day like no food that I've ever eaten in those first 50, almost 57 years. No food ever satisfied me the way doing God's will does for me. I hope you're there. And if you're not yet, I hope you're praying for the willingness and the humility to get there. Now, lest you think, and if you've been around a while, you know I have no 100% of anything. (laughs) Uh, Why do I keep praying for humility? You know, if I had it, I wouldn't need to pray for it. Nothing. I wouldn't need to pray for willing. I wouldn't need to pray for anything if I had it. See, recovery can be elusive because my ego wants to jump up. Remember that ego? It wants to get in the way. And some days it does a little bit, or even a lot maybe. However, I recognize immediately when I owe an amends. And boy, I can't carry that with me. I need to make amends on the spot. That's my 10 step, you know, 10, 11. I'm making those amends as soon as I realize, you know, you were out of line. You were out of line. You need to make that amends. The best, the best amends, first of all, is for me to stay abstinent. And someone told me when I walk into a meeting abstinent, that can be the biggest service I can do for anyone. And I just want to touch on service here. For me, service is my gratitude in action. Service, I don't, I'm not talking about lip service. I can tell you, we can sit here for hours talking about service. Oh, yeah, but if I'm not doing it, it's not working. They devoted a whole chapter to interaction, and I just always laugh. And I think when I when I start sponsoring intellectuals, and they're so smart, and they they can't get the program, but they're really they've got PhDs and all of that. And I smile, you know, and um, I say, okay, pray for stupidity, which is I was told that, and I never thought I was exceptional. I think I'm intelligent, but I don't think I'm. You know, I, I don't know if I'd make Mensa, you know, be a Mensa member, but, yeah. But when it comes to addiction, it doesn't matter how smart I am. It doesn't matter how stupid I am. But I was told, pray for stupidity. And, you know, I, I was giving a newcomer talk one time to a little group, and we were they were asking questions, and this one lady, she was extremely intelligent and in college and teaching college. I know she was really, and I said to her, you know what? They told me, I'm going to tell you, you need to pray for stupidity. Two years later, she came back and she said, Rosemary, I've been working this program. Those words were the best thing I ever heard to help my program. Pray for stupidity. Yeah, I think I'm always too smart. You know, I'm a still learning know-it-all. Today, I want to carry the message. And that's what I do, but I can't do that if I'm still eating. I can't tell someone, this program is great, it works, but I I got into food a week ago, but I'm abstinent. Yeah, either I carry the message or I spread the disease. I have a choice. There's no column C. 
I carry the message or I spread that disease. So my service consists of a lot of work with newcomers. And the big book, that's where I learned how to do that. The big book says, working with others, working with another overeater will ensure my sobriety. Hey, works for me. I can't tell you how I love working with newcomers. I want to tell you about my brain. I see I have the brain of an addict, and if you have the brain of an addict, you and I are wired differently than a, quote, normal person, whatever normal is. See, I still don't know normal except, you know, the dryer setting in my laundry room. Mm. So my brain is wired in a different way. And my brain is never happy if everything in my life isn't going according to the plan of Rosemary. You know, the world according to Rosemary. If it's not going my way, I get a restless, irritable, and I get discontented. Okay? And I'm not happy until I get something to relieve that restless, irritable, and discontentedness. And for me, that would be food, preferably junk and sweets. I thought sweets were a food group for years. I thought they they were my food group. The steps changed my brain wiring. That's the grace of God. The steps, through the steps, I got closer and closer. If you look the way those steps are written, it just brings me clo- brings us just closer to God through the steps and a great sponsor. And I might as well say right now, if, you, if I don't have a sponsor, I pretty much don't have a program because, see, then I'm still into Rosemary's will. I'm going to do it my way. Anyway, that's how God works for me, through a sponsor, through other people, through the written word, and sometimes directly hearing it, being prompted by it. I cannot explain God's grace and mercy. I cannot explain my recovery. I can, however, and I do, experience them. I experience God's grace and mercy and my recovery. I experience experience them. Makes me happy, joyous, and free most of the time. Uh, grace, grace is available to everyone. Remember I told you, I'm not special. And because I'm not special, I think my recovery displays how truly powerful God, HP, can be. It took God himself to transform this hardcore food addict no human power. Mm-mm. Once a pickle, never a cucumber again. But God put in wood if he were sought. And I have to seek him every day, every hour. My disease doesn't take a vacation. My relationship with God cannot take a vacation day or hour. Mm-mm. No. I've been asked, do long timers do every day? What do you do, Rosemary, to keep your program fresh? How do you stay absent all that time? Don't you get bored? Don't you get tired? Uh-huh. Well, I wrote down some of the things I do every day to enlarge my spiritual life. 
okay? And I don't know if you'll find them interesting. You might find you're already doing a lot of this. And remember what I told you? With all this I do, and I will tell you, the most spiritual thing I do is abstain every day. That's that's spiritual because that's God's will. That's, that's it. And I'm not happy when I'm not doing God's will. I get the pit of my stomach turns over. I don't like the way I'm feeling. I'm uncomfortable. Sort of like before the program, how I felt before I had my fix of food. Now I need a fix of God. See, I was trying to fill my body with food, but it was my spirit that was empty. I had the wrong, I had the, see, I had very confused thinking, very confused. My spirit is what needs to be fed every day, and only God can do that. I was created like an automobile, you know, to run on gasoline, but God created me to run on his spirit, on his grace and mercy. That's how I was created. And when I was taking in excess food, the automobile, this body, didn't work too well. And the brain certainly didn't work well. We don't have time to tell you the food episodes. You notice that? Because, you know, I, we can't really sit here for the next three days. Well, I could, but it's not practical. I have a food plan, and I follow it. And if I fail the plan, it means I'm planning to fail. I have a food sponsor. Someone said, what, 28 years you have a food sponsor? You call your food every day? No, no, I don't do that. From having something different, I do consult my food sponsor. If I forget about something, a, a measurement, an amount, because I do weigh and measure my food, and that's coming up, um, and I don't feel it's diet mentality, like I've heard people say, and if it is, it's gotten me sober. It's been one of the helps for 28 years, so... You can tell me anything you want about weighing your food, why you don't want to weigh it, and I'll tell you why I won't stop weighing it. It's okay. We each do. Um, I have a food plan according to hypoglycemia and my blood type. So I stay with that food plan, and, of course, I have a list of binge foods. They're not even considered. They're not considered. Did I mention the craving has been removed decades ago by God? Yeah, there's no, you know, biting my nails. It, like when I was dieting, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for the diet to end, and we know all about that. Only they weren't working too well after a while. Uh, I plan and shop. I still stay out of aisles that I don't need to be in because I don't need anything in those aisles, so why should I go in there? I weigh and measure my food because I have broken eyeballs. I can't eyeball Four ounces, two ounces, I can't. No. I am a compulsive, I'm an addict. I'll lie about how much that food weighs. Some days four ounces looks good, and some days I say, that's not four, that's not enough. So if I don't weigh it, I'm going to trust the brain of an addict. Even after all these years, I feel that weighing my food is a part of my surrender process. To God, to God, I surrender it. Now, I've talked about submission versus surrender, and people always ask about that. 
submission is a shallow level, you know. I'll do it because uh, you want me to do it. I know it's the right thing um, mentally, intellectually. This is what I have to do. But that's submission. But it says in the book, I needed to surrender my will. And that's not submission. That's surrender at the psychic level. You know that psychic change we talked about, the doctor Sokworth talks about? Psychic change. I had to surrender in my soul. I had to know that I ran out of myself, and I ran out of everything that I tried that might work. And unless I've run out of myself and run out of all the little tricks that I tried, I could not stay abstinent. I couldn't do it. So surrender is the answer. Surrendering my will totally, not submission. Uh, Important for me to say this, there is no alcohol on my food plan. There never was and there never will be as far as I know. Um, Alcohol, a mind-altering drug. Why would I want to alter this addict's brain any more than it is? Uh, The reason, and I don't sponsor people who drink alcohol because I've had in the past, and no one made it, and I can't tell you the horror stories that it brought along with it, like drugs and food and alcohol. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's an outside issue, I'm sure, and it's never talked about. Whatever anyone wants to do with alcohol, none of my business, I just don't drink it. And I don't sponsor people who drink it because I have not, I've seen that they not have they don't have success. They just don't. I don't do lookalikes. If it looks like a pie, I don't eat it. <laughs> I don't eat pathway foods that will lead me to the real thing because my brain doesn't care. If it's sweet, it doesn't care what it's sweetened with. I'm a say I'm a sweetaholic. What do I know from artificial or you know? Mm. I guess I need to tell you that when I buy foods, and if it's packaged or canned, which isn't too often, I look at labels, everything. I read everything that I'm going to eat. And if it's got chemicals and additives, if it's got a lot of ingredients, I just put it right back on the shelf. Um, two or three ingredients is all I want to see, and none of them need to be sugar or starch or flour or chemicals, you know. And I don't introduce foods that I've already taken out of my food plant. In other words, I don't take back foods I've dropped already. I found that's a not a good idea because why did I drop them in the first place? Aha! One of my little experiments. I can now try it. I got 28 years. Maybe this now it'll be okay. I am never cured never cured. At Burbank, we like to say only hams are cured. Compulsive eater like me, never. But I have daily remission by the grace of God who has taken my addiction, expelled it, given me peace, given me serenity. I focus on preparing and eating my food I focus when I'm doing that because I can get 
you know, forgetful and throw something in. I focus. And when I go out to eat, I either know what's going to be served or I bring my own food. Now, people have said, well, what will people think of me? And I learned a long time ago that what others think of me, none of my business, because no one is going to do my dying for me. So I might be pleasing them, but I'm killing myself. And they're not going to die for me. I'll be left to do that job. (laughs) I don't do a taste, a lick, or a bite when I'm preparing food or at any time. TLB, I don't do a taste, a lick, or a bite. I just don't because I, I just don't. I don't feel that's an abstinent way of life. And I don't stand up and eat. <laughs> you know, how about over the sink? Wasn't that? Yeah. No, I don't do that. I sit with a real cloth napkin. I put my food all on a tray, and I measure it all out. And when that food is gone, I'm done with my meal. Hey, works for me. And to get all of this done, I need to get my higher powers help. To get all of that done, I, I, it takes grace to do that. On my own, I would be willing to do all that. Mm, not so much. Mm-mm. The first thing I do in the morning is I thank God. I always thank him. And then I ask him to let me be a blessing to someone today. And then I pray. And then I meditate. And, and I do some spiritual reading. Let me tell you... <laughs> Let me tell you about meditation. Uh, You know this hardcore addict, Rosemary? Well, I fought meditation for five years. I knew about it. I read about it. You know, like I said, it doesn't say read about the steps or study them or, you know, look at them. No, no, no. They analyze them? No. Just work them. Well, I read all about meditation. I tried to figure out what they were saying. But I was convinced I could not sit still for 30 minutes twice a day, and don't you ask me to. And then two years ago, it was 31st of October, two years ago, last month. It was two years last month. I can't tell you what happened, but I'm going to tell you (laughs) what I think happened, the grace of God. I started meditating, and I do it every day, every day, every day. Bill Wilson in Step 7 says, on our knees, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. So then they took out on our knees. But I do get on my knees morning and night, and in between. I was on my knees before I made this call today, praying that I would put my pride aside and asking God to let me carry his message. Just get me out of the way. I do read the big book, the AA 12 and 12. I have other spiritual books. I love the undiluted message of recovery that I get from the big book and the 12 and 12 of AA. I love the message. There's no question. It's clear. It's undiluted. And I read other spiritual books. I pray. I pray prayers of my faith. I work the steps, and I honor the traditions, and I, oh, I learned this, that if I keep focusing on God and the steps, my weight 
will be just fine. By the way, I forgot to tell you my weight as of Wednesday, and it's been basically right in that area. Remember I told you it was up to almost 200, and then I left you hanging, and I'm sorry I forgot to tell you that I weigh 136 and a half pounds, and my doctor says that I can't go near anywhere near 120 because my brain says Miss America weighs 118, so maybe that, no, no. I was sick at one time a few years ago, and I got in the 120s, and believe me, it was bad news. <laughs> she said, no, she said, I'm at the really healthy, perfect if you want to say perfect, nothing's perfect, but it is healthy weight. So, yeah, and I wear a size 12, some 10s fit. I used to wear a 22, so you can say I'm about half the size that I was. You know, all those big bones I claimed to have had, that's why I was fat. No, I'm not big boned, I'm not tall. That weight is perfect for me. And people tell me I look good at this weight, so I... And my doctor, which is even the more important, good test results. Great. Um, when I focus on God and the steps, the weight is okay. But when I focus on the weight, then God and the steps are not okay. I can't just keep focusing on my weight. That's so compulsive, so obsessive. That obsession of my mind, it can go, if it doesn't go to food, it'll go to the scale, it'll go to my waistline, clothes, anything, anything, no. So I've got to focus on the God and the steps. I have a sponsor, and she's working the program, and she has a sponsor who's working the program, et cetera, et cetera. And I make and I take outreach calls a lot, a lot. Um, I have I have three handsets and two landlines. Um, many days I have to change those handsets because they keep running out of power. Am I happy to do this? It's part of my service. It's part of my enlarging my spiritual life, connecting with people and maybe helping them when I make that call or take that call. Now, I talk to God during the day. I'm alone except for him and I, so I talk to him. And the more I, I thank him, and the more I thank him, this is this is interesting, the more I thank God, the more I receive. It's like, you know, if you give someone a present and they like it, you want to, you, they really make a fuss, they say, oh, Rosemary, you gave such a nice present. Then I want to give them another present, you know. Well, God, in, in, he's so infinite, the presents, the gifts get infinitely better. My mind is so finite. His is so infinite. That's why I have to let him be in charge. I have to because I can't think with my brain. I pray before I eat sometimes. Sometimes I forget. I do a daily spot check. I think I talked about that. Yeah. Uh, before bedtime, on my knees, I thank God for the day. I ask for help to mend my ways where I've been off track. If I need to make amends and I haven't made them, I make them. And uh, I kind of follow pages 86, 87, and 88. I write in a gratitude journal, five gratitudes or more. And I call all these things consistent daily activities, CDA, consistent daily activities. This is part of my enlarging my spiritual life. Um, the four absolutes of AA are 
absolute honesty, unselfishness, purity, and love. Okay? These are the essence of recovery because it would be God's will, not mine, to try to be rigorously honest, totally unselfish, purity of mind and heart, and love to help someone, not to be afraid of helping someone because we all know in helping others we help ourselves. And if I do this to the least of my brethren, I do it for God. The greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. During the day, at times, I turn off the phones and I rest when I need to. I attend church and chapel regularly. I have done and I do service in and out of a way. I have worked at group level, intergroup level, region rep, world service delegate. Uh, I've been a chair or a member of many committees on workshops, retreats. I am presently uh, finishing up my year as treasurer of my home group. I accept OA events for speaking assignments. Oh, I've spoken in Rome, Puerto Rico, and Hawaii. Oh, that was so fun. In Rome, they asked me to speak, and they get, I said, I don't speak Italian. And it was an Italian meeting, but I understand some, so it was a great meeting. And then they said, no, we'll give you an interpreter. So the following week I went, and they, they gave me an interpreter. And I'm so controlling. I was listening, trying to listen and talk at the same time to make sure he was saying what I said, you know, he was interpreting it right. That was my, and then I just had to just talk and let it go and tell my story. I found out I'm not a bad person trying to be good. I'm already good. God made me good. I'm just sick, sick person trying to get well. But I had that backwards. See, I thought if I was a good girl, God would really love me. The truth is, he loves me so much but my finite mind can't comprehend how much. But now I want to be who God created me to be, who I've been called to be. And I've been called to be rooted in love of myself, of others, and of God. His love is the power that keeps me abstinent. And God has already judged me not guilty. I must keep on enlarging my spiritual life. That's the how of it, H-O-W. There are no half measures. They avail zero, nothing. I need each day. Oh, my ego come up again. You noticed a lot of ego here today? I wonder why. I need to, every day, I need to swim against the tide of my ego. Swim against the tide of my ego every day because I don't care if I have 28 years or 85, whatever abstinence. It doesn't mean I'm cured. My ego always wants to emerge. And ego, I know I've heard many times, it's, the acronym is easing God out, and I just wrote down everything good obliterated. My ego causes everything good in my life to be obliterated. Woo! Now, I want I wanted to um let's see. Sorry, I had to change phones. I was losing power. Okay. Um here I am. Okay, here we are. Thank you, God. Um some of the gifts I've received from this program because of the grace. 
uh, of course, the addiction having been the craving, the, the, the activity of my addiction having been removed. There's no craving. There's no wanting. Uh, and the first one, of course, is the abstinence. But perseverance is one. Uh, I, I was called very stubborn as a child, and I was. And uh, I was told that God took my stubbornness and changed it to perseverance. And I do. I'm like, uh, you know, a dog with a bone. I don't let go easily. And maybe that perseverance is what's helping me to stay abstinent for today, to stay sober today. Um, it's given me one of the gifts, of course, a closer relationship with God, but better relationships, period, all, you know, all my relationships. And I love it because I want to include my children in that, which is great, and, and in and out of a way, beautiful. Um, I, one of the gifts is peace and serenity. And that's what, isn't that what we pray for every day? We say the serenity prayer every meeting. Peace, serenity, yeah. And awareness. I have a sense of awareness that the food blocked out. But God's grace has allowed me to be aware of what I'm doing and that, hey, Rosemary, maybe this isn't such a good idea, you know? And, of course, being a healthy weight and the maintenance for, what, 27 over years, whatever it is. So it took me about a year, over a year, a little over a year to lose the weight, but maintaining it, you know, I could always lose it, but there was never maintenance. This is like, this is true God stuff. This is God stuff. This is not me. Um, and, oh, if you're not abstinent from your first meeting, you know what? That's not a criteria to say you can't get abstinent this second, this minute, this day, this hour. It doesn't happen to everybody at the same time, but it doesn't mean you're not going to get. I know a lady who took two years to get abstinent. I don't recommend that, and she doesn't either. But she's now got, I think it's 38 years of abstinence, but it took her two years of playing. She was doing her experimenting. So like I said, if you're still out there doing the road work and the research, maybe you can hear my voice telling you it never worked for me. And believe me, I tried it longer than you, and it never worked. I have my doctor's happy approval. Did I tell you? No, my doctor sends her patients to OA because of my health record. I have close friends in and out of the program, more in than out. Remember the big book says we'll make friends, and you know, and I thought I got enough friends. This was me, Miss Know-It-All, first newcomer. I got enough friends. I don't need these people. (laughs) One of the gifts is gratitude, a grateful heart. I can't even stress that. I don't even know how to stress gratitude. I have the ability to be here right now and to speak to you. I've never had a speech class. I am not a versed speaker. This is all grace. This is all gift. This is grace. This addict has this grace to be able to talk. I'm uniquely qualified because I'm a food addict, and I'm qualified to talk to you if you're a food addict. The promises, most of them, most of the time, they've all come true. They have come true. That, you know, fear of economic insecurity will leave me. It happens. And believe me, I don't have much economy and much much left of my security. 
but I don't feel insecure about the little bit of money. When you live a long time, you outlive your money. I'm not worried about it, not at all, because I've turned my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand him. I'm grateful for the gift of meditation, and I never thought I'd say that in my lifetime because I don't like to sit still for 30 minutes, but the silence, the silence is where I find God. He, he's found me a long time ago. I had to find him. All of this starts with the abstinence. All of the above started with the abstinence, it's, but it's only the start. And then in working the steps, I get a life I've never dreamed beyond my wildest dreams. I stay in today. I stay in the eternal now, this moment, because that's where God resides. I can't go to the past or the future because God's grace is enough for today only. When tomorrow comes, I'll be given what I need. It reminds me of the manna from heaven story. These people were in the desert and there was nothing to eat and they were going to die. And this food came down from heaven, but it was only enough for the day. And every night they cried, we're going to die. And in the morning there was more food and that went on until they were saved. So it's kind of like that with the trusting God thing for me. I just have to trust every single day with whatever comes up. You know, OA doesn't teach me how to handle eating. It teaches me how to handle life without eating, how to handle life soberly, abstinently, under all conditions. And remember, in 28 years, life happens. A lot of things have happened in my life. But I was told, and I believe, it's abstinence under all conditions. I don't take the bite. I've had many health challenges. I don't take the bite. The love of my life, seven years ago, went to heaven. I didn't take the bite. I went to an OA retreat. One of my children saw committed to a mental hospital. I didn't take the bite. I want to tell you, I cried through all of those things, cried a lot, but I didn't take the bite, and I just trusted God. Only a spiritual experience can conquer my illness. Most of my troubles, they're of my own making. And someone said I should put a piece of paper on my mirror, and the paper should say, you're looking at the problem. I always wanted to look at you and say you were the problem. Everyone around me, they were the problem. I didn't real, you know, I didn't realize. Oh, I knew what I had to bear from others, but I never once thought what they had to bear from me. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that I would like to tell a person who's working the program, maybe losing heart. Some of the things I'd like to say is don't leave till the miracle happens. Keep coming back. It works when we work it and we know it and we keep working it. Trust God, clean house, and help others. That's the steps. That's the steps in three phrases. Trust God, clean house, help others. Don't eat no matter what because this too shall pass. If I'd have eaten through some of those, I only gave you a few things that I have not eaten over, and I am so grateful. That's the grace that expels the 
addiction every day. I study the big. I would say study the big book and work the steps with an abstaining member. Do service. Service doesn't get me abstinent, but it often keeps me coming back. But and I also want to stress because I've seen people do too much service right at the beginning, and they get lost and they're gone. So I think you have to be careful. I think talking to the sponsor. I know I've talked to my sponsor even now if I want to take too much on. And the big question I would ask you and ask anyone thinking of maybe leaving the program, try to remember what it was like before OA. Because if life is hard in OA, I don't ever want to go back to what it was like before. There's a poem, and one dear friend of mine loved this, and this is for her and whoever else wants it. It's called Leap of Faith. It's just a short one, and this is how it goes. Leap of Faith. Come to the edge. No, we will fall. Come to the edge. No, 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 we will fall. They came to the edge. He pushed them, and they flew. I'm asking all of you listening right now or when you hear this later on the website, wherever you are, I'm asking you to take that leap of faith today with me right now and just for today to remain abstinent, to trust that higher, that there's a higher power than you that can keep you abstinent just for today. And then tomorrow call someone and tell them whether you were abstinent or not today. That's an accountability thing. It's a challenge. I've asked people that, and I'm taking it with you. I'm taking that challenge also. I need to remain abstinent so I can follow the path thoroughly as though my life depended on it, as indeed it does. If by life I mean real life, living, loving, happy, joyous, and free one day at a time. You know, those who came before me, they made some pretty big footprints for me to follow. Now, I must do the same for those who came after me. I have to make some footprints of my own, and I can't do that if I'm not consistently abstinent and working the steps. You know, someone needs to love the newcomer. As someone loved me when I was a newcomer, someone must love the newcomer. Someone. And I'm someone. You are someone. The big book tells me deep resentment shut me off from the sunlight of the spirit, which is the grace, the grace of God. To stay abstinent and free of defects, I need to be open to that sunlight. I need to be bathed in it. I need to be made whole in it. And especially, I need to see with it. I read somewhere that some people on this earth, they carry sunlight in their lives to others. And when they pass on from this world, that light remains forever. My prayer today is that God lets that light shine through me and through all of us, his humble servants. So, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Rosemarie wishes you peace.
Rosemary, thank you for such a beautiful, God-filled message this morning. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. We had about 200 people gathered in this room this morning, and I thank you. We're going to open up the floor now for a question-answer period. Uh, Information regarding contacting Rosemary will be given after the recording has concluded. If you have a question for Rosemary, press star 1 to unmute and identify yourself, please. Hello, this is Roxanne in Michigan. Good morning and welcome, Roxanne. Thank you. Uh, Rosemary, I loved listening to you, and I thank you very much for your blessing today. Um, I'm aware that in order to be recovered, I need to maintain constant contact with my higher power, and that means not just with my morning prayers or my nightly inventory, but throughout the day. And I was just wondering how you maintain that contact when life gets busy and you get distracted. Am I unmuted now? Yes, Rosemary, go ahead. Can I just stay on this uh, this phase, just stay in this this mode of unmuted. Exactly, so, exactly. Okay, yes. thank you. Oh, hi, Roxanne. Thank you so much. The constant contact with God, um, hopefully I had told you the things that, you know, said the things that I do every day. Um, this is my way of staying connected to God. Uh, it's just, you know, there are days, there are times of day when maybe God leaves my mind but it doesn't last really long. And so I'm always, when I make my morning prayer, it's a morning offering to God and I'm offering my day. That means the whole day is God's. It's not mine anymore. That's why I do things that are his will, to the best of my ability, of course. So uh, just doing what I do, prayer, meditation, working with others, uh, action, doing action, taking service, these are all ways, because I stay connected to people. That's how I stay connected to God. And also through prayer and meditation and through my faith. I'm a regular attendee at church, and there's a chapel I go to regularly, and I pray there. And um, I'm, in, I'm in conscious contact pretty much all of the time. I don't know if this answers your question, honey. I think it's the best I can do. Thank you. It's just hearing more of what I already know, but it's helpful to have it reinforced. So thank you very much. Thank you, Roxanne. Yes, thank you, Roxanne, for the question. Who's next with a question for Rosemarie? This is Anne Marie. Good morning. Go right ahead. Thank you, Leah, for your service. And, and Rosemarie, thank you for your service. Um, I heard you say uh, right at the beginning that you were able to be abstinent after your very first meeting. Um, was the obsession to be removed also 
um, taken away at, after that very first meeting, or did you struggle for a little bit and then the obsession be removed? Thank you. Oh, Anne-Marie, that is a great question because I forgot to tell you that in the course of the talk. Thank you so much for asking that. When I came in, like I said, I was on a diet, and um, I didn't get a sponsor right away, which I don't recommend that to anybody, <laughs> um, and I didn't get a big book right away. I was just a slow learner, but I had um, I wasn't eating compulsively, and I would say I didn't have a daily obsession with food, but this is what I did have, Anne-Marie. In the back of my head, inside my head, inside my head was a picture. It was a picture of a banana split. And my plan, before I got a sponsor and started to study the step, but my plan was when I got to a healthy weight, I was going out to have that picture fulfilled. In other words, in program, I was ready to go back to a binge food. See, I didn't get addiction thing at all, not at all. I was just, to me, it was always a diet mentality. And I didn't know why I ate or didn't eat. That didn't, I'm a very slow learner, honey. You have to know that. So, so I had this picture of my treat that I was going to have, okay? I was going out. That was definite. I wasn't just thinking, well, maybe. No, I was going to do it. And then when I got a sponsor and I started working with her, I all of a sudden I realized, and I wasn't craving these months, no. But I had that picture in my head of what was coming. And when I started working with the sponsor, one day I just realized, you know how you just don't know when it happens, but it happened after working with starting the sponsor work? The picture was gone. I didn't have that picture in my head anymore. I didn't want it. It was removed. And I say that's the grace because I had the, it wasn't just a plan. It was going to be a reality, Anne-Marie, and that's what happened to me. It was removed. I have really, I can say truly, there's never been a craving since I came to program. It was pretty much removed except for that one thing I thought I'd have, and we know what would have happened. That would have set me up. That would have been the end, like it always was. But that's my slow learning thinking because I don't think clearly. But I, I hope I've answered your question, honey. Yes, thank you. It sounds like once you started working the steps, then it was removed. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Anyone else? I have a question. My name is Cheryl. And I'm Hi, Cheryl. From, Hi. Hi, Cheryl. I'm calling from Illinois, and uh, oh, boy, what a beautiful message. It just seems like you actually live it, not just talk about it, um, for all those years. But I did have a question. You made frequent reference to the word grace. Um and can you help me understand what you're relaying in terms of God's grace without using the word grace? Because the grace word has never been totally clear to me. Sure, I'd love to, to the best I can. You know, you may get other answers from other people. This is just Rosemary's uh, thought on it. Um, another word for grace would be a gift, that God gives me a gift, a free 
a free, unearned gift. And it's also God's power. That grace is the power. God has his total power. Isn't it strange? He can give me power. He can give each one of us power, and he's still totally powerful. I don't get that, but again, remember, I don't have to understand God as long as God understands me. So I would say power, the power, he gives me the power, the willingness. I think willingness is a great word to substitute for grace, that willingness to do what my mind says, I don't want to do it. But he gives that willingness. And that willingness is a free, unearned gift. I didn't do anything to get it. I did not do anything to get it. Uh, if you call working the steps, you know. But I believe he gives this unearned gift to everybody that really wants it and is ready and willing. I guess readiness, grace is a readiness to work the steps. To work to get close because I believe that my higher power wants me close to Him, so He'll give me the grace to accomplish that closeness. And these are the things. So I love that you said that question because free gift, unearned power, willingness, uh, readiness to do the will of God, to do God's will. I don't know if that explains it. I may think of more good things later, but. Right now, that seems to be about, I think, it. Does that answer your question, Cheryl? I think it does. I think it really does. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Cheryl. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, Cheryl. Hi, this is Debbie from New York. Debbie, go ahead. We'll catch the others after your question. Mm Hi. um, Rosemary, today is... Um, my sixth day of abstinence, and thank God I think I found a sponsor to start the stuff soon. Um, but I have two questions. In the meantime, I'm very, I have a lot of fear. Um, if you had any types of feelings like that throughout the years, what you did about it, I, even when I have some days of abstinence, I'm constantly like filled with anxiety and fear that I'm going to just destroy it, and I, I just get very scared. And also, I don't know if you have small children, but I have three little children, and I find it very difficult to make time towards the program. Um, I was just wondering if you had any advice for me. Thank you. Debbie. Thank you. Um, I didn't catch, was it 15? I didn't hear how much abstinence there was. Six days, I believe. Um, probably for like the hundredth time today is day six. <laughs> day six. Thank you. Congratulations. Six days. Do you realize what a gift that is? Because I can tell you in my experience that there are people sitting in meetings that never get six days put together. I congratulate you and your higher power, Debbie. And by the way, I love New York. I love Manhattan. Anyway, which has nothing to do with this. You asked about fear? Oh, yeah. First, The first one was about fear. I took some notes. Yeah, it's like I had the fear the other shoe's going to drop. Like, you know, I'd go visit a friend and she'd put out the coffee and cake and, you know, she'd say eat and I'd say, oh, no, I don't do that anymore. And in my head was, yeah, but when are you going to go back to it? You know you never stayed off of it for very long. There was a fear that I was going back. It was scary. 
Oh, yeah. Plenty of fear. And you know what the book says? Fear is an evil, corroding thread that runs through the fabric of all our lives. That's right out of the book. We all experience fear, Debbie. But fear, I love, uh, there's a couple of acronyms for fear. False evidence appearing real. And what I just heard recently was face everything and recover. So fear can be face everything and recover. But are we scared? Oh, yeah. Because, see, I've never done this before. You've never done this before. This is, I, I love, I love you, Deb, because I love you all, all of you who are out there. But a newcomer with six days of abstinence, or even if you you didn't say whether you came back or you've been just brand new, but either way, you're a newcomer if you have six days. And it's beautiful, and I just think it's wonderful. And you have little children, right. You don't have the time to devote that I do to program. Remember, I live alone. I don't have babies. I did have babies in the beginning years. I, they weren't babies, but they were young children, you know, young people. I had a mother of four children. So, yeah, uh, what, what you're saying is true. You can't do what a person in my circumstance can do because you just can't. You don't, you've got kids to take care of, and it is first things first. That's the, one of the slogans of the program, first things first. So, yeah, you take care of your children. But if you make that morning offering to your higher power, if you offer the day and all your actions of the day to your higher power, whatever you're doing that day is a prayer. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. Taking care of the baby, if you're changing a diaper, that's a prayer. If you're feeding your kid, that's a prayer. Because you've made an offering of your day first thing in the morning, and everyone can take one minute on their knees or off their knees, whatever they prefer. But to take that moment to offer your day to your higher power so that everything you do that day is it's a blessing because you're doing it for the the will of your higher power. So that is a that is a prayer. Everything all day will be prayer. So when you think you don't have time to pray, you are praying during the course of your day. Taking care of your children, you're praying. That's prayer. Taking care of your family. Now, if you can uh, if you can honestly look at yourself and talk to your sponsor, you might find there are moments that you can use to make a, a five-minute outreach call, uh, if you can have a sitter so you can go to a meeting. There are different things you can do to make that connect or time a babysitter to go to a church or a synagogue or wherever you go. Uh, there can be time made for that. You have to reevaluate things, and that's where the abstinence gives us clarity of thought so that we can rethink it and say, hmm, Maybe I can do this or that. But absolutely, you're right, Debbie. You can't devote the time. In fact, when I sponsor people, I tell them, you cannot sponsor the amount of people I sponsor. You have a job, you have a family, but you do have to sponsor at least a few people, you know, because sponsoring is giving it away. You're not near there yet, Debbie. You don't have to worry about that. You talk to your sponsor later on about that. But, um, yeah, I hope I gave you some answer, honey. Thank you, you, Debbie, for the question. Thank you very much. Hilda from Florida? Yes, go ahead from Florida. I didn't catch your name. Hilda. (laughs) 
Hilda, go ahead. Hi, thank you so much. My God, just what I needed to hear. Um, I wanted to ask, um, I wasn't sure if I heard it correctly when, Rosemary, if you were saying um, I didn't blame myself or I didn't take a bite when you were talking about the, um, you know, hard, you know, incidents in your life. Oh, I never took the bite. You never took the bite. And all the things that, you know, life happens, Hilda, you know that. Yes. Yes. Sadness, very sad. Health issues, children, whatever. Death, life. Yes. But I didn't, I didn't have to take the bite, and that's only through the grace of God. Wow. Because yes, I mean, I was abstinent for like two, oh, like two weeks. Pretty, you know, for me, really abstinent with the sugar and everything. And yesterday, I, I, I haven't seen my sister in two years, and I did take a bite. And I'm on weight, you know, I'm on a food plan weight watches. I could. If I want to count that as whatever my points, whatever the extra points, but I took a bite, and but it because it was like a family thing, and I felt permission, whatever. I was so joyous that we were getting along, and today, and I couldn't even sleep because my I got so I was seated up from all the you know, you know the substance, you know, and uh, and and I don't want, but that word blame. Somehow I'm hearing blame, not to blame myself because I don't want to blame myself for having a slip. I also oh, honey, my- you, Hilda, you yeah. can't blame yourself for having an addiction, honey. You have an addiction like I do. You can't blame yourself. You didn't. Did you ask for that addiction? No, no. No. So, but once you get some abstinence, and two weeks is not a real long time, but once we get abstinent, there's a moment before we take the bite where we do have some power of choice where you either take it or not, okay? Before that, there is no choice because we're just addicts and that just is compulsive act. Now, you did take a bite and, and you recognized it and you're honest. That's to be applauded. Blaming yourself is going to get you nowhere. What, in, what I was told to do, you see, that happened yesterday, right? Yes. Yesterday is the past. Tomorrow is the future. Where are you asked to stay? Stay in today. Don't go back and don't go forward. Stay in this moment because that's where your higher power is. Don't go back and beat yourself. The hammer is not a tool. Was it, you know, don't beat. Were you, was it good that you took the, no, it wasn't the best idea because your body, while it was starting to get used to abstinence, then it came, an occasion came up and you gave into it. And so it makes it harder sometimes to get it back. If you get it back, you need to be so grateful, honey, to your higher power yes. that you keep thanking them because I've seen people go out and eat once and they don't come back for 18 years, one of them. Wow. Now she has you know what was scary, Rosemary, is that at the moment I, I, I thought about it and I kept saying no to other stuff, you know, foods. And then when I was let myself do it, I I I feel guilty that I actually thoroughly. Yeah, no, no, that won't help you, honey. Guilt does not serve any good purpose. But I you enjoyed need, it. That, that yeah, you need to go life. forward, Hilda. Forward yeah. today. It's okay, today. I enjoyed it. You know, it's it's okay. You know, honey, I enjoyed it always. You enjoy it for the moment. Okay, look at this, honey. Is there something on your food plan? You have a sponsor, right, Hilda? No, I need to get one. Oh, honey, honey, yeah, if you don't have a sponsor, you're in trouble. All right, yeah. 
call a sponsor, call someone in program who's abstinent, and tell them your food plan. They may see something in your food plan that's causing, setting you up to crave, to eat. You may be taking in your body things that set up the craving. Do you understand that? Yes. Okay. Also, if you're eating too much at meals, that could set you up for a craving. Even if you're eating healthy food, you know, if you're eating fish and, and rice, which is healthy basically, but if you're eating a pound of rice and and two pounds of fish, you know what I'm saying. Yes. You're setting yourself up for a crave, and you don't want to do that. No. Prayer is your, if you have a higher power, you pray. Yes. If you don't, get a sponsor and tell your sponsor, you are now my higher power until I get one, and just follow. I'm very connected, you know, uh, to my higher power. Great. Then you want to get a sponsor. (laughs) I didn't use them at that moment, but I have... You, can you get a sponsor today, Hilda, today? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Can you do that? Honey, if you can do yes. that, you're on the road to recovery, Hilda. And I bless you and thank you and wish you well, honey. You can do it. You can do it, Hilda. Just put the hammer down and stay in today, and today is the day to be abstinent, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Hilda, for the question. Oh, you're welcome. Anyone else this morning with a question for Rosemary? Yes, my name is Evangeline. I live in New York. I have a question. Go ahead, Evangeline. Yes, um, thank you so much, Rosemary. It was just such an inspiration this morning. What I wanted to ask you was, I heard you say that your husband had passed away seven years ago and you didn't take the bite. And all of the things that you told us, you know, that you do to remain in your program and to remain abstinent. My husband passed away a year ago, and I'm still really struggling. I was just wondering if there was anything that you did that was different during that time. What a good question, Evangeline. That's a great question. Uh, Can I ask how long you're abstinent, Evangeline? Um, Almost five years. Okay, okay, almost five years. I'll say four, four, four and a half years. Four and a half years, that's great. Has uh, the craving been taken away? No. You still have craving for the food? Yeah, sometimes. I, 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 I give my food away every day. I give it to God every day. And when I do that, I'm okay. And if I measure it every day, it's the days that I don't forget that I have a problem with that. Okay, maybe you want to remember one day at a time, you know, to I know I have to weigh my food and, you know, uh, you might want to look, is there something on your food plan you're taking in to set up the craving? If not, uh, you might want to pray for willingness to follow the weighing, the, you know, follow your original food plan. Uh, as far as what happened after he passed, I had such a strong uh, program uh, connection network and I had a good relationship with God by this time that though I cried and cried a lot, I was it was tough. The first year I would find all of a sudden one day I'd be crying for no reason. I never even thought about him at that moment, but I'd be crying and I know that's what I was crying about, you know. So it did have its moments, but it wasn't this is what I say to people and I hope it's helpful to you, honey. I lived life before I met my husband. 
I lived life with my husband, 56-plus years with my husband, and now I've lived over seven without him. And life is not bad. It wasn't bad before or after. It was just different. Life is just different, and sometimes we have a hard time accepting that difference. And I think acceptance is the answer to all my problems, which the big book agrees. Acceptance is page uh, four. I think it's four seventeen in the fourth edition and four forty nine in the third edition. But uh, accepting the fact that he is gone, that you're on your own. But oh, I know what made it easier. I already had carved a life. My husband was sick a long time, and I had made a life for myself besides taking care of him. And I think that helped that when he died, it wasn't that I had no life. Now, I, there was a lady who lost her husband the same time I did. She couldn't stand it. I'd meet her years later, and she was crying, and she'd say, oh, it's just horrible, terrible. But it wasn't that way for me. I mean, I loved when we had happy years, and I loved it, and I was grateful for it. But I guess I was able to accept that it was his time, and now I have a life to live. It's different, but it's still a good life. It can be a good life. It doesn't have to be a bad life. And I just stayed very close to program, to my sponsor, to my OA friends, working the steps every day. You heard what I do each day to keep in contact with God. And it wasn't, uh, the first year seemed to be probably the toughest But it wasn't that tough, Evangeline, because I had a life. Have you carved a life for yourself yet? I'm trying. Okay. Then you just have to, and you know who can help you with that, right? Yes. The the same one that helps us with the food, right? Yes. Absolutely. Did I answer your question okay? You sure did. Thank you so much. Thank you, honey. God bless you. Thank you, Evangeline. I'm Marian from Pennsylvania. Hi, Marian. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Rosemarie. I really appreciated this. Um, your talk and your witnessing, and I, I pray that when I grow up, I'll be just like you. I started late in the program, too. And I've had a hard time trying to keep abstinent. However, I've been abstinent um, since January the 26th. And so it's coming up a year and two months. And I'm just really grateful that I have this. I lost my husband, too, um, July a year ago. And I realize that the program is what gave me the life and uh, I thought it would be easier to be absent without uh, cooking his food but it it's not that easy I, like you said um, there's some food on my uh, food uh, plan that might be um increasing my cravings, although um, I can uh, do without it, but I've had esophagus problem, 
and I had to change my food plan with my sponsor. I have a wonderful sponsor. I've had her for seven years since the when I first came in, and I'm just really grateful for her. And it's her experience and her strength that keeps me going and that keeps me in the program because many times I thought, if I break again, I'm quitting. But, you know, when I heard her witness that she did quit and she came back 100 pounds more, I I feared that. That's what I fear, that I would quit or give up. Quitting would be me giving up. And that's what uh, I I got from your message. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I I lost my question. It's up in my brain. But I started when I was 74, and I wish, too, that I was... I joined when I was in my 30s that I could raise my children with this plan. But um, I, you know, it's, I can't say it's easier just eating alone, but it is easier to go shopping. I don't buy the things. And yet when my children come, I do buy the things that I would usually make them but I think making them is 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 harder if I buy them already made. So how do you do that when you when you have family coming? What do you do? Oh, tell me your name. I didn't catch it. It's Marion. M A R I A N. Marion, thank you. I got Pennsylvania. I love you. You're beautiful. You're about 75 years old, right? No, I'm 82 right now. Oh, because you said you came in the program at 74. Oh, all right. You just got your abstinence a year. You're 82. You're still a kid. I'm going to be 85, so you're still a kid, honey. But God let bless me, you. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, I also have an esophagus problem. I just wanted you to know. And it, losing a husband... That's an inside job. It's not about preparing his meals, your meals. Now there's no meals. Uh Uh-uh. It's about your connection to your higher power, honey. And as far as quitting, I would recommend what your sponsors don't quit because I have seen people come back. They never come back smiling, and they never come back thinner, Marion. You don't ever want to quit because if it's this hard in program, Imagine what it is outside of program. I don't ever want to quit this program because I get the love here. I get so much love, and I get my connection with God. So, no, I'm not quitting. I don't advocate anyone quitting because the miracle can be right around the corner. And it sounds like talk to your sponsor about your food. You might be eating things that you're not aware of or you're aware but you're not willing to let them go yet, then you have to pray for that willingness to let them go. And so you're blessed you have a good sponsor and just keep close to her, but mostly close to God. That's what works for me, being close to God. Okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. Bless you, Marion. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else before we wrap up this morning's meeting? Any additional questions for Rosemarie? This is Susan. Susan, go right ahead. Good morning to you. Thanks so much. Good morning, and thanks to both of you for your service. 
Um, Rosemary, thank you so much. The third time hearing you and, and so appreciate uh, each time. You, you mentioned meditation and, uh, and your resistance to it, and um, <laughs> I do it and I resist it at the same time, which isn't probably the most productive way. So the question is this. You know, I've, I've heard, I'm, I'm very clear on the instructions in the big book on step 11 in meditation, and it makes it sound like directed thinking, that the meditation, I may be interpreting it wrong, but the meditation, the way I understand it in the big book, is about, um, you know, looking looking at our day and, and bringing that to to God and aligning our will with God's will, and yet there's that other kind of meditation that's more contemplative or silent and just letting God, you know, just becoming, one would hope, an empty vessel and letting God come in uh, to us and for us to hear it. I'm wondering what your approach is like, what you consider meditation to be, what you're doing for 30 minutes at a time twice a day. Thanks. Oh, Susan, thank you. Uh, You know what? I think this is something that, that I don't want to, I think it's an outside issue to talk about during the time we're on the uh, network. Uh, maybe I could talk to you just privately about that. Um, if you want to give me your number, because um, I think it's an outside issue. Now, meditation can be many ways. There's more. Someone said it's like doing med, doing the fourth step, and there are more ways to do it than anything Every person has a different way. Well, meditation, I believe we all meditate in different ways. And uh, But I can tell you on the line that what I've learned is just I just have to do it. I read a little reading every day that's on meditation before I do it. And what it says is don't judge yourself. Don't judge anybody else. Don't judge if you're doing well or bad. Just keep doing it. So if that helps you, honey, I hope it does. It helps me because if anybody gets distracted, you're talking to her. You are talking to the choir. And what I read is everybody gets distracted when they're meditating, but I just have to keep doing it because that's how I make a real conscious contact with God. So I hope I answered your question, honey. Yeah, thank you. And you also were helpful in reminding me that it's an outside issue, so I learned right. something else in that. So I apologize right. for bringing it up, folks. Okay. And thanks. I thank God that I remembered it because I'm ready to explode on everything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know anything. I just know what works for me, but I can't tell anybody what's going to work for them. Because, Susan, how do I know? So whatever your meditation is, and I'm sure you've read about it and studied it or whatever, you know how to do it, and it's almost like just keep doing it and don't judge yourself, God, or anybody else. I love this I read somewhere, Susan. God's already judged me and found me innocent. Isn't that beautiful? Indeed, yes. And just as I wouldn't ask you about your food plan, I'm now learning not to ask about it. And online. Thank you again. Thank you, Susan. Bless you. Thanks, Susan. Anyone else? Hi, I'm Tina. Tina, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Rosemary, thank you for your service. I really, really got a lot out of hearing what you had to say. And it's interesting because I miss my I miss my grandma very much. She would have been 88 this year. And it, hearing you is just a gift because, you know, it was like helping me, you know, with 
you know, my grief over my grandma. Um, but I just, my question for you, because you said a lot of things that I could really relate to. One was with, like, all the other addictions as far as, like, drinking and stuff. Like, it's hard for me because sometimes I feel like I'm playing whack-a-mole with my addictions. Like, I put the food down, but then, you know, like, the drinking comes up. And then, you know, other things come up, and like the smoking and everything. And I just, sometimes I feel like I'm playing whack-a-mole with my addictions. And, like, I just... I don't know how to how how do you even begin to get a handle on all these things, and then the other thing is I I went through a, a pretty serious breakup about a month ago and just completely my abstinence just completely went out the window. So how do you get the strength even when things go bad to like keep focus on your food? Because I couldn't eat for like a week. I was just so upset over everything. Tina, thank you, and very sorry about your grandma. And um, I understand about the addictions because it's like switching chairs on the Titanic. You know, we go from one to the other. But uh, what I heard at the very end, you have the answer within you because you said, where do I get the strength to, you know, quit the drinking, the smoking, the, the getting over the breakup, and you lost your abstinence? And then you said, where do I get the strength? And I think you have the answer within you. Your strength comes from a power greater than you. You just need to tap in. You need to respond to that grace that he's trying to give you. You need to respond to the grace by just keeping close to your higher power. And again, sometimes being close to people helps me be close to God. I hear God come out of people's mouth. But you said the answer without knowing it. You said, where do I get the strength? And I bet if I asked you, you'd say, from a power greater than yourself, right? I have to be connected to God. I don't know any other way to be at this point. There is no other way, honey. It's higher power, God for me, sounds like God for you. There is no other. I'm going to tell you a little funny. A long timer, when I was new, a long timer, I heard her talking to people, and no matter what they asked her, she said, did you pray about it? Did you go to God? And I thought, that woman, doesn't she have anything to say except, did you pray, did you go to God? Now, 28 years later, someone tells me their problem, and I say, did you pray about it? Did you go to God? (laughs) So it's because that is the answer. There is no other answer. And remember the big book? He got drunk because he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. We will get drunk if we don't enlarge our spiritual life. And that's, it doesn't just mean on my knees praying. That is part of it. But I think it's working with other people, being open to hearing other people. And if you've had any time in program, you might want to be talking to a newcomer. Anything to get out of Tina, to get out of yourself and into God's work. See, right now you're focused on all Tina's story. And it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's sad. But... With God, all things are possible. You just have to stay close, and that means close to people. And I hope you have a sponsor. Oh, I have a wonderful sponsor. There and you are. I'm very grateful to God because it's when I'm when I'm crying out to God on my knees that you know I see Him working the most. And I was really I was having a horrible day, and that's when I found my sponsor. So I'm grateful to God. Hang on to your sponsor for dear life, and she is not God, 
But you will hear God come out of her mouth, though. You will hear God come out of her mouth. But she is not God. So you want to make that conscious contact as much. And you may not feel like praying. And you know what someone told me? If you don't feel like praying, tell God. God, right now I really don't feel like praying, but I'll pray when I feel like praying again. So would you forgive me for right now? Or whatever you want to say in your own words to your higher power. But, yeah, you want to get close again. There's the only place you get the strength. Of ourselves, we don't have. I don't know about you, Tina. I don't have any power. 28 years, I don't have power. I just have experience, and I stay close to the power source, which is God for me. That's all I know. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank Thank you you very much. Thanks, Tina, for the question. Thank you for all the questions this morning from Roxanne, Anne-Marie, Cheryl, Debbie, Hilda, Evangeline, Marianne, Susan, and Tina. We thank you for your questions. Rosemarie, thank you again for such a God-filled message this morning and for reinforcing the fact that when we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Amen. Amen. Amen, Rosemary. And I'm going to close this morning's meeting, everybody, with the way we always close the meetings, and that's from the reading on page 164 in the big book. And it Would goes you give Rosemary's phone number before you do that, please? Um, uh, not online. Yeah, instructions on on contacting Rosemary will be given after this recording is concluded. Thank you for your patience. Page 164, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.